Welcome to the Attractors Group Podcast, brought to you unofficially by Bucky's. Make sure that you're following us on your favorite podcast apps by searching for the Attractions Group Podcast and search for us on YouTube by looking for the Attractions Group Podcast. I'm Ryan Sir. With me, as always, is Don Helbig. Don, episode 53. How about that? 53 episodes. Yeah. And they said it wouldn't last, but it has. So here's 53 episodes. Uh, they're fun to do every week. Always uh, some some great conversation that you and I have about the industry and looking forward to uh, to doing this one here today. Yeah, and I'd be remiss if I didn't start off by saying uh, we made a big announcement last week in which we announced a second podcast for those of you, especially local to the Cincinnati market. Uh, it's all about Kings Island. So we're going to talk about our experiences there. Uh, me as their number one fan and Don is their former number one fan and then their PR guy and then their social media guy. Um, so a lot of fun conversations. It's in small bite-sized episodes yeah. that talk about individual subject matters and stuff. So search for Tower Topics on either YouTube or your favorite podcast apps. So, Don, you know, we're, we're going to talk about uh, more of my Disney travels. What are your plans for for the next couple months? Well, you know, I have some parks that I want to get to. Earlier this summer, I went to Camden Park in West Virginia, had a really good time there. We talked about it on uh, one of our episodes a few weeks ago. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm planning to get to Holiday World. I want to get to Dollywood um, and also Indiana Beach. You know, I want to do that park, uh, all of those before Labor Day. I think that, you know, they've all got, you know, things of interest to me, you know, whether it's roller coasters, you know, just, uh, uh, you know, haven't been there for a while, those types of things. And so looking forward to making those trips. So over the next three or four weeks, you know, I'll be somewhere every week. Yeah, I've actually never been to Indiana Beach. Uh, I'm really uh, I'm really intrigued by is it Lost Coaster? Is that their unique uh, CCI coaster that they have there? Yeah, yeah, yeah that and, you know, I just have been seeing a lot of. Uh, you know, a lot of my, my uh, coaster enthusiast friends, you know, they've been posting about going there. I have a friend that lives in Detroit. You know, he was recently there and sent me some pictures. And, you know, it just looks like a place that, uh, you know, I, I need to get there again. I'd been there a long time ago, uh, but at a time when, you know, I was a lot younger and it was roller coasters or bus for me at that time. So I want to get back when, you know, I can just appreciate the history and tradition and things like that. And, uh, you know, take, you know, just take the park in and, and just enjoy it for what it is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, the thing that, that always struck me about, um, Indiana beach is their sky ride over the water. Uh, I think that's kind of like the centerpiece of the park. So that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, so uh, Holiday World's got that drone show. You know, we've been talking about drones a lot recently amongst the two podcasts, so uh, kind of envious of that. Um, yeah, and that's nearing the end of their run with that, too, so I have to catch that before it's done. Yeah, and you got to get yourself a ride on Thunderbird so we can talk about that on one of the pods, you know. Thunder Thunderbird, exactly. hands down, is the best wing coaster. Uh, and experience their water park. Uh, yes. You know, I want to check that out. It's it's one of the best out there, so I want to to make sure that... Uh, you know, uh, I'm doing it all while I'm there. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Well, I hope you have a fantastic trip. Um, so, you know, when we're talking about, um, you know, the various trips and stuff, uh, we're going to go, we're going to talk about Disney's Hollywood studios today. Uh, so I went there recently, uh, you go there regularly. Um, uh, let me just ask you right off the bat, what's your favorite ride at Hollywood studios? Tower of terror. I mean, that's in the argument for, you know, my favorite all time, ride. It's either that or Haunted Mansion. And I go back and forth and I think it depends on what park I'm at that day. But yeah, Tower of Terror. And it's, you know, the ride experience itself, you know, is great. Um, you know, the theming can't beat it. Uh, the technology behind it, you know, uh, is something that, you know, is maybe even more impressive than the theming and the ride experience itself. Uh, it's just, just phenomenal. So I'm going to, uh, you know, ride that as often as I can when I go there, you know, so I'll ride it more than once. So, you know, most of the time I'm on it three, four, five times in one day. But, uh, you know, if you're at Hollywood Studios, I'm there. You're probably going to find me at Tower of Terror. What about you? Um, well, as I've stated, spoiler alert, Tower of Terror is my favorite ride of all time. Um, I don't think it's the perfect ride. Honestly, if I had to choose one ride to say, like, this is like, um, you know, the in my opinion, the per I mean, obviously, like, you know, rise of the resistance, which we will talk about that, that has to be in the conversation, but, uh, Harry Potter and the forbidden journey, I think is the perfect mix of screens. It's just thrilling enough. It has great animatronics, but, uh, as far as personal favorite tower terror is my favorite. Um, so I, I just kind of like, um, went through 
kind of the, the, the stuff that we were able to experience. And I've got some personal tie-ins to you and your family for that day, actually. But um, the first thing we got to ride was Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, which was my first experience on that. Have you done Runaway Railway? I have multiple times. Um, you know, I, I was a little sad when, you know, the the great movie ride, you know, was replaced with this at first. But then after experiencing Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railroad, a uh, railway, uh, you know, great ride. One of my favorites there. Yeah, I mean, so the great movie ride is just something that I'm I, I still watch like videos of it and stuff. So I, I dearly miss it. Um but I wasn't necessarily angry or disappointed after riding this. Uh, and I'm not, and this is, I'm not playing down runaway railway because I'm just saying that it's sitting on such a high shelf, but um, the cool part is, and the best way to describe it is runaway railway. So first of all, for those of you who don't know, it's a two and a half dimensional ride. So basically uh, they're trying to simulate that you are in a comic strip with Mickey and Minnie. This is the first ride uh, in any of the Disney properties, I think, to feature both Minnie and Mickey on a grand scale like this. But um, so it's easy to make animatronics. Well, it's not easy. You and I couldn't do it. But they've made animatronics for years. They've made cutouts for years. But to have animated cutouts where it's not woefully apparent as to how it's done is just incredible. Um, actually, the best way that I was able to describe it is it looks so real because it looks so fake. Um, you know, it's got the fountains, uh, the very first scene where the fountain is shooting out the water and the water is clearly mm -hmm. animated coming out, but it's clearly like flat. And you're like, well, is that a screen? That'd be weird for a screen, but it's a projector. It, and they do a lot of tricks to try to, to do things in different ways. Um, I just think it's incredible. You know, I, I think it's really cool. It's on a must do list every time you visit Hollywood studios. Oh, for sure. You have to definitely uh, put that on your bucket list. Yeah, so uh, we uh, so we rode, um, you know, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, and then I received a message from somebody that you may know, your daughter Maria, who happened to be at the same park on the same day, um, celebrating her. I don't want to say anniversary; it was her honeymoon. Honeymoon. Yeah. Right. So uh, my understanding is that they went to the park for a few days. Uh, they actually stayed at the Grand Floridian. If you want to talk about their experience, uh, then they went on a Disney cruise, and then they came back for a few days, which is awesome. Um, so we were we were kind of talking and stuff, and she made a recommendation. Uh, I'm not going to bring it up because I'll talk about it later in the episode, which was really, really <laughs> cool. Um, but we ended up riding the Muppets 3D together. Um, and <laughs> the Muppets 3D is the most underrated ride at Hollywood Studios, I think. When was the last time you did Muppets? Oh, gosh, years ago with her, you know, when she was maybe nine or ten years old. Um, you know, fun. You know, like you said, underrated. You know, nobody talks about it. You know, these other rides overshadow it. You know, Tower of Terror, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, uh, the Rock and Roller Roller Coaster. You know, all those over overshadow it. But it's definitely something that uh, you know you need to experience, especially if you have young children. Yeah, I agree. And it, it was funny because for those of you who don't know what the ride's about, it, it's a 3D movie. Uh, it does have some live incorporations and it does have animatronics. But my favorite part of the whole thing is those two old like curmudgeon men that are up in the skybox that just talk trash the entire time. I think that's the funniest yeah. thing ever. But, you know, if you want a testament to, um, you know, Disney level detail, one thing that I noticed and I probably ridden that thing six or seven times um, uh, in my life before I noticed this. But at the when when the curtains first open up and you've got those two old men and they're talking trash about the crowd and about the show and stuff they've got their 3d glasses on their head but then the curtains close again and when they come back they're down because for the actual show and then at the end they're back up again so it's just those little because you know any other park would just have the glasses down the whole time or maybe even yeah, just that little attention to detail that you know, that's one of the things that separates Disney from all others. Yep. That's why they're Disney and you are not. Um, but yeah, I always thought that ride was so fun with the, uh, you know, it's, it, I, what I was telling Aaron was that you think you're watching something and they take it in a completely different direction than where you think you're going. Uh, so, um, yeah, so we were able to, uh, have, you know, we rode rock and roller coaster, which I think is strikingly like flight of fear. Uh, different manufacturers. It's a different layout and stuff, but it definitely reminds you of it, doesn't it? It does in a way. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, you have the different, you know, 
things in there that are, you know, you can at least see some of the things you're doing, like the visuals, things are lit up, you know, with the stop signs and those kind of things. So let me ask you this. Um, I'm pretty sure that the last time I read Rock and Roller Coaster, which would have been 2015 or 2016, uh, the props were always lit up. But I know it went down for yeah. a short rehab. Now it's like they light up as you're approaching them. You're approaching it, right? Okay, so that is different. I'm not just nuts. Um, I, I you know, I think they always kind of did it as you approach it. It wasn't all lit up the whole time. I mean, it was as you got close to it, yeah. Because I distinctly remember, um, you know, it, uh, you know, being able to see them. But you know, my memory from this time is that they were like it was really dark in there, and I thought that was a really cool effect because you're rocking out the Aerosmith, uh, doing that stuff now. I've got an odd feeling that you really enjoy Toy Story Land. I did. Yeah. So I did such an immersive, uh, you know, immersive theming there, you know, brings the characters to life. It's like you stepped right into it. Yeah. I mean, so Toy Story Land. Um, now, we did not get to do Slinky Dog Dash. Uh, we relied pretty heavily on Genie Plus. And uh, now that's a big miss for you, because to me, Slinky Dog is the star attraction. Mm -hmm. I could see that in Toy Story Land. So it's, uh, you know, I think when you go back, make sure that, that you do it. it. It's a lot of fun. You know, it's, it's, you're a roller coaster fan, you know, it's not going to be the biggest, fastest, longest, anything like that that you've, you've experienced. It's just fun. Yeah. I, um, I, I, yeah. And that was a goal. And I know that, that Aaron really wanted to, but we just couldn't, you know, it's one of those things where you can only book so many lightning lanes and the next one available was like seven o'clock at night. So we just, we just couldn't do it. But our plan is to next time we go book that one first. Um, and then, yeah, now you have the annual pass yes. now, right? Yeah. So definitely make that, you know, an attraction that you do, uh, if not first, you know, at least early part of the day, make sure that you do it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, so we did do Toy Story Mania. And Toy Story Mania, it's funny because on paper, it sounds so stupid. It's like a screen shooter game, and it's like, yeah, I'll pass. But it's the most fun thing you could ever do. You know, you pull on the the gun thing, and it like shoots the rings out, and you're trying to do the ring toss. And some people know the secrets to it. Uh, I figured it out about halfway through the ride, but the seasoned people will destroy you every time as far as going for which particular targets versus others and so on. Um. So that's that's really cool. Um, one thing that I did notice is that a lot of the signage that's in Toy Story Land, I thought it looked really bad, and I was I thought they cheaped out on it until I walked to the side, and I realized that it was supposed to be a piece of cardboard, and it has like the kind of like the accordion inside that a cardboard thing would have, and it looked mm -hmm. kind of crappy because it's like the printing that you would have on a toy box kind of thing, like a, a box, not a toy box, but a box for a toy. Um, but uh, I saw kind of a cute thing where um. So every, it seemed like every time we walked through Toy Story Land, Woody was leaving. And um, there was this little kid that was probably maybe a year and a half old. He was in a stroller. And, you know, Woody's waving goodbye as he's walking away. And this, this little kid that was like just a little kid was just having this meltdown because Woody was leaving. And he was wearing like a Woody costume. And he had two Woody stuffed animals with him. Um, when I was little, I remember, I, like nowadays, like if I... You know, if I wanted to meet a celebrity, I, I would, you know, but when I was little, I remember always thinking, like, what would I say to this person? And especially a kid that probably thinks that that's the real Woody from the show. Spoiler alert, it's not. It's a guy in a costume. Um, Like, he he really wanted to hang out with Woody, you know, uh, but I guess you get that with Snoopy and Scooby-Doo and Mickey and, you know, all those characters as well, you know? Yeah, all of them you do when it's with a young child, for sure. What were the big ones? Uh, so when you grew up, when you were that little, it was like a Cincinnati Coney Island thing. Did you did you have the Hanna Barbera stuff back then, or did they not have IP? Yeah, it was the Hanna Barbera characters. Yeah, they were introduced at uh, Coney Island, so it was my first introduction to them. So I was seeing these characters that lived in my TV. You know, all of a sudden here they are. You know, and I, I thought that was like the most awesome thing. You know, and I wanted to get, you know, go up to them. I was, you know kind of shy and didn't know what to say around him or anything like that, but I wanted to get close to them. Mm. And, uh, you know, and then, you know, years later, you know, I have my daughter and she was a big Disney fan from the start yeah. and to see, you know, she would see like Ariel and Peter Pan and Snow White, Mary Poppins, you know, all those characters, you know, was, was just, uh, you know, it was just so fun to see, you know, how, how my daughter was, was the same way I was when I was a kid, you know, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, 
you know, it's, that's what makes it a magical place, you know, is when these characters, you know, that you see in your TV, you know, they, you're kind of seeing them in person, especially when you're yeah, real young. So when you, so I'll ask about you and I'll ask about your experience as a father with this, but did you believe the characters were real when you were really small or did you kind of figure out that they were costume characters? Well, I think probably, you know, around, you know, maybe five or six, you start to realize that, you know, it's, it's people in a costume, but you know, when the first time you see them, you know, yeah, you're thinking that that's Fred right. Flintstone, you know, uh, that's Yogi Bear, you know, so yeah, you think that for sure. See, I remember, um, so my first trip to Disney was when I was like two or three. So I only have like vague, like flash memories of it, but I remember tons of pictures of me with like Mickey Mouse and stuff. And, um, when I, um, w- looking at the pictures, I always assumed I met Mickey Mouse, but I always remember thinking like, okay, this guy looks real. But a cartoon is not the same thing as what I'm looking at with this guy. So there must be some sort of technology that I don't know about because I'm just a kid and I'm stupid. So I can't figure this out. <laughs> but it was kind of like with Santa Claus. Like I always like. So you put more thought into it than I did. I was just like, oh, there's Mickey Mouse. You know, oh, there's Donald Duck. You know, oh, there's Fred Flintstone. Right. So to me, I wasn't in that comparison. Yeah, well, like with, with Santa, like I remember thinking that there were huge flaws in the logic. But I remember thinking, like, if this weren't true, like, would my parents lie to me about it? Turns out the answer was yes, actually. They did lie to me about it. Um, but uh, did did uh, did Maria think the characters were real when she was little? Do you remember anything about that? Absolutely. She thought they were real, you know, especially, you know, like Peter Pan and Snow White and, you know, others, Mary Poppins. You know, she very much thought that they were real and she would come back and tell her friends that she met Peter Pan and, you know, she, she got a hug from Peter Pan and, you know, just the whole works. And it was, you know, as, as a, you know, a parent, you know, seeing how your, your, you know, child bought into that Disney experience like that, you know, it, it, you know, was right in front of her like that, uh, that, you know, these, these characters that she watched on TV every day and for her to just be, you know, so excited that she got to meet them and get photos with them, uh, you know, that was just great, just fun, you know, to, to see see her having, you know, the time of her life with them. And then as, you know, she got a little bit older, you know, she started to notice in the pictures that, you know, maybe Peter Pan looked a little different this year than last year, you know, and we had to kind of try to, like, to keep the magic going, you know, kind of justify to her, like, well, you know, Peter's getting a little older too, you know, something like that. And yeah, um, yeah so you have those kind of things that you're, you know, you're working on, but, you know, she figured it out, uh, but then she didn't tell us. For the longest time, we, you know, she got to be like nine or ten. We're like, she's she can't still believe that they're they're real, but uh, but she fooled us too for a couple years. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I I I, I completely agree. And, I, and you know, honestly, up until like you're six or seven and you figure out how movies work, I could see like if she saw Peter Pan at the parks, that's the same guy that was in the movie. Like that logic works mm-hmm. out. Exactly. It's when it's a guy in a costume and then it's supposed to be this thing that's drawn on my TV. That's where I was like, there's oh, gotta be something. I gotta to tell this. you this story. Okay. Do please. Peter Pan story. Okay. <laughs> so she's probably like six or seven and Peter Pan gives her a hug and says, you know, don't tell anybody, but you're the only girl that I've ever hugged. <laughs> So she takes that home with her, right? So the next year, you know, she's thinking Peter's going to remember me. <laughs> so my wife goes up to the, the 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 person who happened to actually be the same person that had done it the year before, uh, was that character, and kind of explains the situation. You know, like, oh, she's going to, you know, you were the only one that, that ever, you know, ever got a hug, hugged a girl. So he walks up to her and he just kind of looks and he stops and he goes, it's you. And my daughter's like, what? And he goes, she, he goes, I can't believe it's you. He goes, you're the only girl that I ever hugged. And he gives her like another hug. And she just lit up, you know, with that. And um, he hung out with us for a little while. You know, we were part of this little group that uh, did like a little tour around the park with some of the characters. And the highlight for her was Peter Pan watch Mickey's Filler Magic with us. Oh, he actually like went in and like watched the whole went in, that show with watched you? The sh- yeah, exactly. With Yeah, sat right next to Maria and watched it and... You know, so that was a big deal for her. So at a young age, I mean, it was, you know, she was all about it. And, you know, it made you feel good about, you know, going to Disney and spending the money and everything that you did, uh, you know, to, to be there for whatever, however long we were, you know, a week or so at a time. And, uh, but yeah, but, uh, but circling back to, uh, you know, Hollywood studios and the characters they have there with, you know, all the, the Toy Story characters. Do you have a favorite 
Do I have a favorite Toy Story character? Yeah. Um. So okay, I've got. I was too old for Toy Story when it came out. So that came out in like 94, 95, somewhere around there. So I would have been like 12. Um, so I don't have like that type of connection with it. But I will tell you that there are certain characters that I do love. Well, for, first of all, as an adult, as somebody that can make decisions for himself, Forky, hands down, is my favorite character. I know a lot of you diehards hate the fourth movie. I saw the first one in theaters when I was like 12 or 13. I, did, I have not seen two or three, even now. Uh, we wanted to see something. I think this was at the Liberty Center near, actually near Kings Island relatively. And um, the only thing that Aaron and I could agree on was like, all right, we'll see Toy Story 4. I was really just hungry for popcorn. That's why I wanted to see a movie. Uh, Forky is the funniest. I wish they had a Forky thing at Toy Story Land. They had some like pictures of him, but they didn't have like anything representative of Forky. But I know the diehards don't like that movie and don't like him. I think he's so freaking funny and cute. Um, so I like him. I Another memory I have is um, a friend of mine had a kid. This is, I think he's 13 now or so. But when he was old enough to kind of watch movies when he's like a year and a half, every time Slinky Dog would come on the screen, he would just die laughing. Um, so that was always, um, uh, that was always like, you know, kind of a good memory for me. Um and, you know, and just, you know, obviously my my most recent memory of this is seeing the fourth movie. But um, I always liked how they called Mr. and Mrs. for the hate. Like, we got to call the potato heads and because you, you never think of them in that. Potato concept, heads, yes. So. Uh, what's yours? Yeah, they're awesome. I'd say Woody or Slinky Dog. Those two would be my favorite ones. And I grew up or not grew up, but my daughter, you know, grew up watching Toy Story. So it was on the TV all the time. So, yeah, definitely got to know those characters well watching those uh, movies over and over again. So, Ryan, uh, VIP experiences. You got to do one with Fantasmic. And let's first talk about the show, then we'll talk about your experience. For me, Fantasmic, one of the, the two best shows that I've seen, you know, my years of, of being a, a fan of the amusement theme park industry and going to a lot of different parks, seeing a lot of different shows. Um, just a great, great production, you know. Um, I love it. What about you? Yeah, uh, that was on our must-do list. Uh, so I had seen it three or four times before. Um, I did get a VIP seat for that. And again, we will backpedal because it involves Maria. Uh, but um, <laughs> so uh, so the funny thing is, is when, when it comes to Aaron, for a lot of like shows and themes parks, she's kind of reluctant to see them because she thinks they'll be boring. Um, and for Fantasmic, I didn't really have to sell her on it too much because I was like, we have to do this. We have, you know, and um, so she always sees these shows and then she admits like that was like the best thing ever. But a lot's changed since the last time I saw it. They added a Frozen section to it. Um, they took out a part with Indians, Native Americans, sorry. Uh, and then like a pirate part, I think I remember being cut out. Uh, they added a Mohana thing. Uh, they had a dragon that didn't catch fire. That was a plus. Um but, you know, I was looking up uh, Fantasmic, you know, before the sh- uh, before we started recording, just uh, for frames of reference. Did you know that show, at least like in 2017 dollars, was like, it's like $30,000 a night to put on? Oh, yeah, very expensive. Um, and then here's another factoid. And I actually, uh, I, I, you can probably Google this and figure it out uh, for, for you guys listening at home. But um, one cast member is the most well-paid cast member, no matter who they are in the whole show and it's not for the reason you think can you take a guess as to who it is and why no okay enlighten me so this is this is interesting so at the very end of the show um you know they have the tugboat come out that has all the characters on it mm-hmm. and they have those spinning they call them pinwheel fireworks that spin so when it comes out before it's in the view of the people that are all the way on like stage left like on the right hand side of the amphitheater um, the characters aren't there because they're all in a bunker um, because you're way too close to these fireworks. Uh, and then, you know, the fireworks burn out relatively quickly and then you they all go out there and they act like they're there the whole time. Ariel is in that fish costume. She can't do that. So what they have to do is they have to take wet towels and cover her with that. So uh, Ariel, even though she doesn't sing, she doesn't dance, she doesn't do anything, she's the highest paid person because she gets like a hazard pay for it. So, so you can take that one to the bank. <laughs> I'm dead serious. Yeah, but no, it's a it's a great 
great show and it's evolved you know not the i mean the show has changed too but just you know how the guests come in and see it because before they you know started adding all these vip experiences with it you'd have uh, people going in and you know my family was one of them you'd get there three hours before the show would start to make sure you got a good seat we learned years later they're all good seats uh, but we would want to sit like you know right in the center and uh, then they started adding the different vip experiences but it is you know did you go to hollywood studios if you didn't see phantasmic probably not i mean it, it's it's uh you know must do when you're going there you have to make time for it you won't regret it yeah i completely agree um so well, let's move on to the vip experiences because that's actually rather interesting so i had mentioned that you know right when we got there we snagged the lightning lane for runaway railway uh, heard from Maria. Maria actually met us over by the Chinese theater. Um, and we were talking about restaurants and I mentioned, we've got a reservation for the sci-fi drive-in for lunch. And I said, where are you eating? And she goes, because of what I was thinking was it probably wouldn't be too big of a deal to add two more. And then we could all just eat lunch together. Cause it was pretty soon. And she goes, um, we're actually going to do, I don't remember what she said she was going to do for lunch, but she said, but for dinner, we actually are booked for sci-fi. And I was like, oh, that's cool. She's like, yeah, I've got the VIP Fantasmic thing. I'm like, well, go on. She goes, so basically, <laughs> you get a reservation and you pay you pay a premium. Like, I'm not sure what she paid at sci-fi. Um, but for us, we ended up doing Hollywood and Vine, which is a buffet. And uh, so you get the meal and then you get a ticket. And as opposed to waiting for three hours for Fantasmic or 90 minutes like they recommend, uh, we waltzed in 15 minutes beforehand and sat in the fourth row in the center. Um, by the way, your daughter probably showed up 90 minutes beforehand because she was in the very front, like in the handicap section, like those individual seats <laughs> where you can put wheelchairs and stuff. They put her way up front. Um, but anyway, um, so we, we ate this buffet. The food was fine. It wasn't spectacular. Um, it ended up being about $76 per person. Um, which I think is a steal really, uh, because buffets at Disney are incredibly expensive. Um, and then to have this VIP experience, granted, like, was it a, however much experience? Eh, probably not. We didn't get anything more than just like, Hey, you get to sit here. But what it did do is buy us like an hour and a half, two hours of not sitting in the Florida sun waiting to get into the venue. Um, so, uh, but, but let's talk about Hollywood and Vine though. So Hollywood and Vine, like I said, the food was decent. Um, but that, the thing that's special about that is that you have all the legacy characters in there. You have Mickey, you have Minnie, you have Goofy mm -hmm. and you have Pluto and all of which are played by some of the best actors to don those costumes. They were so fun. Um, so for example, uh, so Aaron got these Mickey ears, uh, you know, like the headband thing with the ears and they were hundredth celebration. Well, the ears themselves had like outlines of all the big things at the parks, it had Chinese theater. It had the uh, spaceship earth, all that stuff on the ears, but it had this big silver bow at the top. Well, she kept on taking the bow and tucking it behind the ears because she liked how the graphic looked on the thing. So Minnie saw that and acted offended by it and like fixed it. And she kept on coming back about every 10 minutes and would just walk up while, you know, Aaron's in mid bite and she just fixes her bow. And then, uh, so I'm an idiot and I don't know the difference between Goofy and Pluto. I call Pluto Goofy for some reason. And he just, the, so Pluto, the guy that's playing Pluto starts just like frantically trying to show me. And he had like a name tag on, it was like a dog tag, but it was in the shape of a surfboard, but he's pointing at it and he can't see it cause he's wearing the head, but it's backward. And I was like, Oh, do you like to surf? And he's like frantically pointing. And finally it turned around and it turned out, I was like, Oh, I'm so sorry. You're Pluto. So he kept on walking up to our table, covering up the name tag and saying like, kind of pointing like, who am I? So it was a really fun experience. Um, like I said, I think it was, I, I price is subject to change because it's Disney. Um, but I think it was like $71 or so each, uh, for the buffet as well as, uh, the VIP ticket. Um, I was trying to research how much that place costs without the VIP. And I think it's about 60 for dinner. Um, this was on a Saturday night too. So it might be dynamic pricing. So for about $10 more, we got the VIP experience. Um, couldn't recommend that more. Um, if, especially if you haven't seen Fantasmic, uh, I disagree that there's not a bad seat in the house. There isn't a bad seat in the house, but there's definitely some that are way better than others Be because yeah, I, I've yeah. sat on the sides and it's just, it's not the same. You have to sit in the middle to really get that, 
especially your first time. I mean, come on. Um, but uh, but let, let's go on. Uh, so I mentioned we ate at the uh, the Sci-Fi Drive-In. Have you ever eaten there before? That one, no. That one is cool. So that's over by Muppets. And um, so it's literally like a drive-in. You sit in a car. Um, there's a front seat and a back seat. And it shows these... Um, it's like 1950s movie, not movies. It doesn't show full movies, but it shows like clips and stuff like that. And it has ads from the fifties. Really cool experience. It's primarily a burger place. Uh, I think it costs about 25 each, which for full service there is on the low end. Um, the burgers were fantastic. Uh, the fries were really good. Uh, there's a couple that they sat behind us that we didn't know. It was an older, uh, woman and gentleman. And, um, the our our waitress came up and said, uh, you know, she took the orders and stuff and she came back and she was like, I just put you guys on the same ticket just to confirm. Are you together? And we're like, we don't know these people. So we were kept on having fun about, you know, the whole like, why are you in the backseat of my car? Am I an Uber driver? You know, jokes like that. So we had a really good experience there. Um, the place is really big. It's actually like it kind of simulates a drive in in terms of like it's very, very wide. You know, because with a drive, yeah, I thought about it many times. Yeah, you know, e- eating there, but you know, I always was on the move to something else. I wanted to make sure I got as many rides in, so I would always pick something you know that I could get real quick. Uh, they have uh, there's one place there that you can get like fish, fish sandwiches, uh, turkey legs. Yeah. you know, were a big thing. We would get a turkey leg and watch like the Bell Show, and that would be our lunch. So those were the kind of places that I ate at. Yeah, I, I honestly, it's like especially uh, being an annual pass holder, um, I. I wanted to make it so we got to have the true experience. That's why I tried to diverse. We had to do do very ride heavy stuff. There's a lot of rides that we probably wouldn't have done mm-hmm. if she had done them before. But I feel good about the fact that we we tried several restaurants. We saw several shows. We, you know, we rode almost every ride. So it was a really good experience. Uh, there's some stuff that I haven't done yet, um, like Mickey and Friends on the stage in front of the uh the the castle at magic kingdom i've mm-hmm. walked past more times than i can tell you and i've never stood there and watched it so that's definitely on the radar um i have not seen epcot forever uh i've not heard the best things about that so i'm not super eager to go but i it's definitely something i want to see i'm probably bitter because my favorite show on earth is illumination so that probably has something to do with it but uh you know let's talk about if you're a star wars yeah. fan Hollywood Studios, that's your place. Yeah. Boy, do I have a place for you. Yeah, so uh, well, let's start with the old one. There's Star Tours. Uh, Star Tours is like a motion sim, and it's actually got like C-3PO in it and stuff. Uh, apparently, there's like six different videos. I didn't know that. So you can ride it six different times and have six completely different experiences. Uh, still fun. Um, but a lot of people have experienced that. We're talking about 30-year-old technology. I know you want to talk about Galaxy's Edge. So Galaxy's Edge is so much bigger than I thought it was going to be. Like it's insanely big. I I thought it was going to be like a turn you couldn't see one side from the other. It's super big. You know, it took it took up a lot of good space though. They they tore out a lot of good things for it, but man, that's impressive. Have you been to have you done the rides in Galaxy's Edge? Yeah, um, you know, not a big Star Wars fan, but super impressed with the attention to detail, you know, that everything in that area of the park has. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm I'm not a big Star Wars fan either. I'm, I'm a little bit more apt with the original trilogy, the ones that people kind of adore. Uh, I've seen all of like the mainstream movies. I haven't seen like the offshoots or anything, but I, I wouldn't say I'm a fan. Um, but what I am a fan of is really cool ride technology. Uh, we'll get to the rise of the resistance in a second because there's a lot to say about that, but I want to talk yeah, about well, that's something too. That's yeah. I mean the technology part of it. I mean, that's, you know, the ride experience is great and stuff, but just the technology involved. I mean, that's the stuff that, you know, impresses me the most. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, okay. Let's get a smuggler's run. Cause it completely fits into this. So smuggler's run is the, like the millennium Falcon ride. And uh, the way that I described it to Aaron was, I my understanding it was, it was a lot like the Star Tours thing where it was a screen and it did whatever. Um, I thought it was awesome. I thought it was completely underrated. Uh, she and I got to be the pilots. I controlled up and down. She controlled left and right. Uh, therefore, the plane, or I'm sorry, the Millennium Falcon competently went up and down, crashed into everything left and right, of course. Uh, we had two friends that we met 
Uh, one was the navigator, I want to say, and then the other one was the uh, like tactical person that shot the shot the guns and and so on. But um, so it, you know, it you do honestly control it. Like if you if you turn it, it it'll it'll turn and. Like it's so neat. I mean, and I've heard that if you're not the pilot, it's not as good of an experience. But I will tell you, as the two people that got to be the co-pilots, we we absolutely loved it. But the cool thing about it is it seats four people. So you got to think like capacity nightmare. Well, it doesn't have the capacity that you'd probably want for Star Wars land at, at Disney. But there's like six or seven. I was looking into this. There's six or seven Millennium Falcons and everybody enters into the same doors, essentially. So you go in. The door shut and it rotates and then it, you load up another one and then they're all doing their show, but they're all in different places on this turntable. Uh, and then so when it gets to the end where they're supposed to let you off, there's actually variations in the programming because it actually renders the video as it goes. Um, so it determines what things look like, their angles and stuff just with a super power computer. So if if we load really quickly and um you know, they don't want the people, let me rephrase myself. If a bunch of groups load quickly and you're at the point where you're almost over and they don't want the people that are sitting in there now to have to wait for the program to start, there is a version that's a little bit shorter that cuts out some, some fat from the end that'll cut off like 30 seconds or whatever. If there's like maybe an accessibility issue where it's running behind it actually has sections where it'll add into the the experience where you go through like an asteroid field or something like that. Um, just absolutely incredible. That's why the experience is identical, not identical because every experience is different, but as far as you never have to wait to start, you never have to wait to get off, nothing like that. Absolutely brilliant. Now, would you consider that a must experience attraction for Star Wars fans? For Star Wars fans, my God, yeah. I mean, I would say um, for Star Wars fans, it's... I'm going to get crucified for this and I understand that. But if you're a hardcore like Star Wars, like original Star Wars trilogy fan, that's actually more relevant because it's the Millennium Falcon. It's the smuggler's run. The other ride, Rise of Resistance, is technologically light years, pun intended, ahead of that. But it's also kind of more in tune with the, the newer series, which they don't connect with as much for the most part. Let's move on to Rise of the Resistance because good Lord, boy, do I have thoughts about that. It's impressive. Yeah, that's the understatement of the show. <laughs> uh, so uh, it uses those uh, puck-based autonomous vehicles. They're manufactured out of Sweden, I believe. Uh, so basically what happens is the vehicle itself, there's no track. It knows where to go. It knows where it is. It's literally autonomous. It's like a Tesla, except it only goes kind of on that track, you know, uh, full self-driving Tesla, to be clear. But I guess they're both electric. Um, but... So, you know, obviously it's got the animatronics and stuff and it's got some wow moments. One thing that I thought was cool was um, you you get packed into this this ship and you're supposed to be being interrogated, I think. And you and the other, uh, you know, rebel scum are all packed into the ship and they're like, we're going to take you to our base. And then, you know, the ship rocks and all that stuff. And there's the video and then the doors that you came in open and you're on the ship that it says it landed on. So you go out the way that you came in. That's when you have the very famous scene with, you know, the 25 or 30 uh, stormtroopers. My understanding is that they all stand there at attention. Some of them move. Some of them don't. It offers a fantastic illusion that they are real people. Um, you get further into the ride before actually boarding. Uh, there's a lot more animatronics of, you know, stormtroopers that have a little bit more action and stuff. But the cool part about it is there's a lot of like even like Pirates of the Caribbean you know, there's a guy sweeping, but he just sweeps all day. And it's like, even if it looks good, it's a dude sweeping in one spot all day. Um, this is like a, a, a stormtrooper would like make casual motion and then maybe sit still for a minute. And it's just very convincing. So you hop on these ride vehicles. Um, you got a little droid on the front. Uh, this is my favorite, like little cute part, but the vehicles go out and you're actually blocked in by two more vehicles. But those actually go out and they act like they're trying to apprehend you and then you lose them and then they like go back to where they were and they actually load the next people. So the empty ride vehicles are part of the show and then they go and then they park and then they load the next people and then there's two more empty vehicles that do the same thing and so on. But that's how they keep it rolling. Um, you know, they've got the fantastic scenes where they've got the uh, uh, 
I want to say phasers, but that's Star Trek. The little pew pew, you know, the, the laser guns. Right. Um, again, uh, comment on the video and help me be educated on Star Wars. I'm not good at this stuff. Uh, but the damage that's on on it looks great. I think it's projection mapped. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's actually uh, very practical where they shoot something and it like falls, uh, like panels fall off and stuff. Um, and then you get the uh, to the another famous scene with the ATATs. I think they call them the giant like walking robot things uh they do a fantastic illusion with mirrors to make it look like there's several rooms of them even though there's only one um and then you go up an elevator uh and i think it's darth maul hops on the top of the elevator and stabs his lightsaber into it and starts cutting and that's such a cool effect um a lot more of this stuff a lot you, you see battle scenes uh and then i didn't know it had like a okay spoiler alert I didn't know it had a drop section. So it parks you on this vehicle and then it has a, the way that it was described to me is a little mini tower of terror, literally because the, you, you get on an escape yeah. pod and it drops and then it does, you know, all this stuff. Uh, and then finally you escape. Um, how cool is that? I, I, like, like I said, I'm getting excited about it and it's like, I don't even know the character. I didn't names. know about that when I, when I experienced it. I didn't it. either. I didn't know that was going to, so that was a, that was a pleasant surprise, I'll say. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just so incredibly fantastic. And um, it, it's reasonably the most respected ride on Earth. Uh, not very thrilling. That's not what you're looking for. You're looking for an experience. Uh, That's what I think, you know, makes, you know, all the parks at uh, Walt Disney World, you know, special was that, like you said, not always the most thrilling rides, but they're just, you know, the technology and everything you know, immersiveness of them, um, you know, it just blows you away. And then you head back home and you're just, you know, so full of all these, these memories yeah. that, uh, that you created while you were there and, and those experiences that you just can't get anywhere else. I mean, you can go to, you know, parks around the world and, you know, roller coasters, oftentimes are roller coasters and, you know, theme park shows are theme park shows and food's food, but you go there and it's just totally different. Now you have to go there to experience it. You can't get it anywhere else. Even if you watch the video, it, it, like I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen the POV of Rise of the Resistance. And it's, I mean, it spoiled a lot for me, but it, I did not. But you still, I mean, it's, oh my God. Yeah, I mean, you still have to go there to experience it, to know what it's going to be like. It doesn't do it justice watching any of those videos that are on YouTube. Yeah, absolutely. And then one other experience that I wanted to bring up, uh, cause we're running a little short on time with this cause I'm babbling on, but, uh, so let's talk about, uh, Indiana Jones stunt spectacular. Uh, when was the last time you saw that? I'm going to go with probably 2019. Okay. 1819. So I last saw it in probably 2013, 14. Uh, and I can't really say that I saw it when I visited Hollywood studios because we attempted twice and did not successfully complete either show. Uh, the first one, they did the opening scene and, uh, they had the part where Indy gets run over by the boulder. Uh, and then, you know, they, they have the, the, the actress that comes out that's supposed to be the director. He goes, cut, cut, cut. Well, she comes out and does that and says, uh, guys, we're cutting the show here. Come back to our next shows at 2.30, 3.30. So I have no idea why. I think it had to do with like maybe incoming storms or whatever. So yeah, you're going to get that. There. Oh, yeah. But uh, there of all places. So. So. OK. So they cut it um, and then we leave. And then we, we had one of those things where there was like either we couldn't book a genie plus because we had dinner too soon or something like that, where we had time on our hands. And I was like, let's, let's, let's see the show. Let's watch it. So we watch it again. And, uh, they, they do the opening. And then in the second scene, they completely take apart the front set, like the facade. So you're seeing outside and they bring out the airplane and stuff. And I'm like, man, this feels so much shorter than it did. Well, lo and behold, it starts pouring. And I thought that it was like an effect. I was like, Oh, I don't remember them having a rain effect here, but it wasn't, it was literally just, it was pouring buckets and they did like an abbreviated version of the show. Cause there's stuff I distinctly remember even from props that were there that they, they didn't do. Um, so not complaining because they actually did finish what they did and they got soaked. And I, I really do appreciate that they bothered to do that. Um, but they um one thing that they did that was really cool was that they didn't kick us out of the amphitheater. Um 
And that kind of stuck with me. I, I have a couple of Disney magic experiences. And I think when we do the last episode about Disney, uh, I'll talk about the ones that kind of stick out. And I'm sure you have them too. But they, um, there's one time I was at a park and it, it was not Kings Island um, where they had a uh, indoor outdoor amphitheater and uh, watched the show five minutes in, got rained out. Uh, so it start, it's pouring. It's, it's, it's like a Florida storm. We're standing under like the edge of like the awning from it, just trying to stay out of the rain. And we were past the ropes and stuff where they rope off everything. And, you know, one of the managers came up, said, sorry, guys, theater's closed. So they made us walk out in the rain, even though we weren't hurting anything. So that, that always kind of stuck with me for that place. But with this, they let everyone just stay in there and they, they reset the whole show while we were doing it, you know, in the rain, I might add. Uh, which was really cool to see for somebody like me that likes the tech stuff. Like we got to see them use the tractors to pull the mm -hmm. big set together. And, you know, um, you know, the part where the truck comes out and explodes and it flips over, they actually like do that backward with like the arm coming up, flips it back over and then it goes back around. So th that was so cool. And that was kind of like a um, magical moment. Maybe they didn't intend it. They were courteous enough not to let us get soaked and kind of ruin our day. But it was a double plus for us. So very, very cool. Um, yeah. Got to head back and try to watch the whole show. That's that's on our list along with Slinky Dog Dash. But well, you got that annual pass. You see, we'll get a chance to do yeah, it. Yeah, going back in September, we're going to do uh, Horror Nights at Universal. We've got a VIP backstage tour booked. So we're going to do that for three nights um, with some friends. And they're they're just coming for the weekend. Then they leave, and then we're gonna do Disney. We might actually do some Disney water parks. I've never done a Disney water park. Oh, you have to do that. I mean, their water parks are great. Yeah, Typhoon Lagoon's open. Blizzard uh -huh. Beach is not open with no open dates. So they're probably doing some sort of major refurb on it. Blizzard Beach, I've always wanted to do because it has the ski lifts. <laughs> so yeah. my my thing of why I don't really like water parks is because you climb to the top of the slide hills and you're exhausted. So I like last for like 45 minutes in a water park. So with the ski lifts, man, I can be an American lazy fat kid and ride water slides in the heat of Florida. All right. Well, Don, I think it's time for something. It is. It is time for what we call the pick six. Ryan, lead us off. Okay. Uh, so let's look at pick six. So Knott's Berry Farm is prepared prepping for the 50th anniversary of scary farm and that's substantial. So not scary farm was the first theme park Halloween event to my understanding. They, they had one of their dark rides or something similar, maybe it was their log jammer where they, some employees had ideas and uh, or some, some employees had the idea of dressing up as characters like for Halloween and scaring people. And it turned into not scary farm. And that's why you have horror nights. Mickey's not so scary. Halloween yeah. haunts. Yeah. That's fantastic. The granddaddy of them all. Yeah, exactly. So um, it started in 1973, which obviously was 50 years ago. Uh, it's going to run for 29 nights starting September 21st and continuing through October 31st. They've not announced their lineup yet. The news should come in the next month, but Knott's is promising 10, ma 10 mazes in today's world. That's impressive. Uh, five scare zones and four shows. Four shows. Wow. Now, Knott's Berry yeah, Farm. That is a huge... Yeah, huge thing out there. I mean, just a big media event. Always when they introduce what's new, um, their opening night's always a huge deal. Uh, you know, they just do a, just a great job, you know, putting that event on. But like I said, you know, the granddaddy of all the, the Halloween events. And, you know, you always, you know, you see all these other ones that are out there now. But, uh, you know, they were the first. They were the first. And uh, we have a lot to thank. I mean, I think it would have happened anyway, but I don't think it would be yeah. where it is now because I think they were ahead of their time. Don't you think? Yep. And they've been, you know, they pushed the boundaries for what you can do, you know, at that time of the year. And, uh, you know, just it's one of the most talked about, you know, Halloween events that are out there. Uh, number two. Uh, for our pick six, recently, the president of Holiday World and Splash and Safari in Santa Claus, Indiana, Matt Eckert, he posted a link to a new website with just the uh, thinking emoji. And the website in question is goodgravycompany.com. So goodgravycompany.com. And naturally, coaster enthusiasts, you know, they've been trying to, to put all the gravy clues together to find out what the new coaster under construction in the park's Thanksgiving section is going to be so they've had a lot of fun with their teaser campaign uh, have you been paying attention to that ryan yeah it's funny right before we uh recording i was watching youtube and i came across uh 
Coaster Studios with Taylor Bybee, and uh, he op- did a, like a kind of like an unboxing of what they had sent him, and they sent him a bunch of gravy related things and doilies and Thanksgiving stuff. But um, I know that there were some like rumors leaking around about some sort of like uh, Vacoma family coaster or whatever, but that none of that's substantiated. I I'm excited because Holiday World has such a good lineup, and they always step things up. But I think it's really cool. What do you think? Yeah, I mean it's really cool, and like I said, I've I've had fun, you know, following along with the different clues and that that they've been been putting out there on social media, and you know, watching the different YouTube videos that are out there. I've seen different, uh, you know, members of the media and the YouTube channels, like you mentioned, uh, you know, Taylor Bybee, and you know, our good friend Arthur Levine. You know, he's been tweeting some different, uh, you know, photos of the invites and things that he has. So, uh, you know, they're definitely building a lot of excitement, a lot of anticipation for what they're going to announce. Absolutely. All right, let's go with number three. So, Hershey Park opened Wildcats Revenge earlier this year. How's that going? Okay, let, let me well, do this, this story. So, yeah. <laughs> Wildcats Revenge has been closed since uh, July 20th. They have not given a reason, nor have they given an open date. Uh, the rumor going around, hate to report on rumors, but uh, is that they're adding some sort of support. That is not uncommon, actually, especially for RMCs. Uh, I feel like the engineering behind RMCs is a little bit more difficult than building from the ground up. Uh, so you have a tendency to see those sort of things. But I haven't been on Wildcats Revenge, but I've heard wonderful things. What have you heard? Nothing but great things, Ryan. I mean, everybody that I know that has visited Hershey Park and experienced a ride on Wildcats Revenge, you know, they absolutely love it. Uh, so... Uh, just hearing that feedback and, you know, how excited they are about it. You know, it has me wanting to to make a visit to Hershey Park, and I hope to get there soon. Um, have you been before? I have, I've been to Hershey Park, yeah, but not since uh, Wildcats Revenge. So it's been several years. The last time I was there uh, would have been, you know, it was during my hockey days. We were um, oh, Hershey Bears Hershey for the playoffs. Yeah. yeah, the Hershey Bears. I was with the Albany River Rats. We had a playoff series in early May. They had just opened for weekend operation. Uh, so yeah, it was just right across, you know, from my hotel. So I was able to, you know, go over and get in a few rides before our games that night, but that was the last time I've been there. So that's gotta be what, 17, 16, 17 years ago. So I'm um, definitely due for a visit. Yeah. They, uh, they've added chocolate town since then. So the whole front of the park is different now, full disclosure, I'm talking with authority, but I've never been there and that's way up on my to-do list, uh, getting out there, stopping. I haven't been to Kennywood for almost 20 years now. Um, I want to hit Kennywood again. Uh, a lot of the Pennsylvania parks I need to make it back to. You know, we need to make a trip there. Maybe we should plan a like a week long trip or something. One, you know, maybe next year, and we just hit, you know, Knobles and you said, you know, Hershey Park, Kennywood, Waldemere, all those places that Dorney Park, all those parks out there. Yes, so yeah. maybe we should make a week of it next year. You can you can take some time away from your your Disney vacation to to make a Pennsylvania I don't trip. I think I'm all right. Next, gonna take away. Okay, cool. Uh, next story. Right, next. Number four. Yeah. Uh, York's Wild Kingdom in York, Maine, is expected to launch a new ride soon that will take the place of the amusement park's over 40-year-old Ferris wheel. Uh, Fer- Ferris wheel. Now that ride was a popular attraction. You know, parks that have Ferris wheels, you know, guests love them. And this uh, new family balloon wheel will offer riders an amazing view of the park. So kind of the same thing, a little bit where you're going to get a great view, but uh, you know, out with the old, in with the new. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it's I, I hate to see carousels or Ferris wheels uh, be replaced, but if it's a Ferris wheel and it's 40 years old, uh, that's not like a cable driven, you know, Eli Bridge company one. So uh, they'll probably have a really cool experience. I, I'm, I'm very happy for them. All right. Uh, let's go with the next one. So we were just talking about Kennywood. So uh, this is news to me. I mean, Don wrote the pick six, full disclosure uh, for this episode, but Raging Rapids Water Ride reopened after a three-year absence at Kennywood. They do this sort of thing, don't they? They like close they rides they forever and then they bring them back. And then like three years later, it's back, correct? I know. It's like freaking, it's like Hulk Hogan. They just won't go away. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, so the park teased the move on uh, social media. Raging Rapids first opened in 1985, but the ride was retired in 2020. Can anyone announce its impending return earlier this year? Uh, so it's a built on a natural downward sloping hillside. The Raging Rapids simulates a whitewater raft ride guaranteed to get you wet. So is it one of those circular um, intimate ones? Is that what it is? Yeah, it's like, you know, like a, a whitewater canyon. You know, and there's other parks that have the raft rides like that. It, um, the setting, 
is what makes that one you know unique like you know it mentions that it's a natural downhill sloping hillside um so I, I think that kind of you know makes it different than some of the other ones that uh, you know you may have experienced but if we make this trip next summer ryan you know we'll get to, to experience kenny woods raging rapids water ride would you be caught dead on their Steelers roller coaster though you know that would be that would be hard to do but yes i would i would experience it Mm. Wearing my Bengals Hawaiian shirt, of course. Where'd you get a Bengals Hawaiian shirt? I got a Bengals. I got a Reds. You know, I got them all. I was looking at the Reds one, and I was going to get it for you. Like when I went to, a, I think it, I might have gone to the Reds game with you, but I was going to get it and like give it to you for your birthday. But it was like a hundred and something dollars or something insane. But uh, no, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, Kenny Woods. I mean, was it the? Um, I wanted to say the kangaroo. What was the ride that they retired and people were? It was a kangaroo. Yeah, the kangaroo was another one that was going away uh, that they they brought back. So, you know, there is that pattern there of retiring rides, and then a year or two later, you know, they come back. So it's always great to see. But moving on to number six, the final of our pick six, and the most Cedar important Point. one. Yeah, Cedar mm-hmm. Point preparing to announce what top thrill dragster will become next. The Sandusky Ohio Amusement Park tweeted. Get revved up with the date of August 1st. Top Thrill Dragster is being revamped into something different. Reimagined is what we've been hearing for the past, what, year or so? Yes. Uh, the tweet, by the way, this is what I found uh, interesting. The tweet was posted at 4.20 p.m. And the significance of that time is the height of Top Thrill Dragster is 420 feet. So, uh, you know, clever job there by the Cedar Point uh, social team. I, you know, been having... F- uh, a lot of fun watching the teaser campaign that they've been doing. And, you know, August 1st, just right around the corner. So the wait is almost over to find out what's happening next with Top Thrill Dragster. Well, um, my only thing, though, is maybe they tweeted at 4.20 p.m. because 5.68 p.m. isn't an actual time. <laughs> I'm just I'm just throwing things at the, at the wall yeah, at yeah. this point. Just throwing things out there, right? You don't know. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, I make no mistake of I am a huge Top Thrill Dragster fan and you know, since it was uh not operating for the past several years really at this point, uh it's really been a hole in Cedar Point's lineup. Um Cedar Point has fantastic rides and we have a whole episode dedicated to it. Uh but this Top Thrill Dragster thing was absolutely glaring. Um, I'm so happy for them that something's going to happen. Um, I think I, I, I don't want to sit here and speculate because I've heard so many things that were confirmed and now we know that they're not or whatever, but, um, it's, uh, one way or another, you've got to go about 120 miles an hour to get over that 420 foot top hat. So, so long as they're launching me at that speed to get over the top, man, I don't, I don't really care, but, uh, August 1st, I'll be listening to that live, watching it live, however they broadcast it, but. Uh, that's super exciting. I think that of all the announcements for next year, that's by far, cause that's, um, I mean, top throw dragster or Cedar point is like, a my other home park, I go there like three visits a year or so for several days at a time. So I think it's awesome. I- I'm so excited about it. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, they've done an incredible job keeping what's gonna, you know, happen with how it's going to be reimagined you know, under wraps. And then they started a couple weeks ago, whatever, a month ago with the different uh, teasers mm-hmm. they've been dropping in, whether it's social media or at the park, you know, with, with signage and, you know, things painted or taped on the ground, whatever it may be. Uh, so they've done a, a really good job of, of, you know, revving up the uh, anticipation for August 1st. Yeah. I mean, uh, a lot of the speculation kind of like leans towards whatever you may think it is, but you don't know what it is. You know, nobody knows for sure, except for the people that know. So August 1st is definitely a date to have on your calendar. Um, I wonder what, did they announce the time of the announcement? I've not seen that, but I would imagine, in, um, you know, probably somewhere in the morning, morning time frame. Yeah. Um, let me, I'm going to do a quick Google search to see if that's, if that's out there, because I want to make sure that people have that information, because I think this is going to be kind of historic. Um, so pulling up an article, it just says August 1st so far. So we'll probably have more details later as to, yeah, I've not seen a time, but you know, historically it's either, you know, sometime in the morning or early afternoon or 10 o'clock at night when it comes to Banshee. 
<laughs> right. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so fantastic. Uh, very excited about that, as I said. Uh, so Don, any final words of wisdom before we send off for the week? No, I uh, really enjoyed our discussion about Disney's Hollywood Studios in Orlando mm-hmm. and look forward to, you know, continuing our Disney discussion next week. Yep. Next week, we'll talk all about Epcot, the world's largest theme park bar. So uh, make sure you follow us on all your favorite podcast apps, Google, Apple, Spotify, you know, the ones uh, YouTube by searching for the attractions group podcast. Uh, follow us on Twitter at attractions underscore GRP. Uh, if you're a Kings Island fan, then look for tower topics. That's our small little bite size episodes. We're going to be doing several times a week. We've actually got full disclosure as of the time of this recording three in the can that we recorded before this that are going to come out over the next week. How exciting is that? Um, so again, just search for Tower Topics with your favorite podcast apps as well as on YouTube. Uh, and if you want to follow us on Twitter over there, it's Tower underscore Topics. We'll see you next week, everyone. We'll talk about Epcot.